Welcome to AdvisorTech Unplugged, the monthly podcast brought to you by MoneyInfo, the client portal and mobile app supplier for financial advisors and wealth managers. This podcast is designed to help address the challenges of the 21st century advisor. Each month, we invite a special guest to talk to us about current topics affecting their area of expertise in the advisor tech space. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or general feedback, get in touch with us by email at support at moneyinfo.com or tweet us at moneyinfotech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Advisor Tech Unplugged. My name is Tess Lee. I'm Managing Director of Money Info, and today I'm really delighted to be joined by Giselle Clayton. Giselle is a financial planner. She's got around 25 years or more. I don't like to say that out loud for people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, experience within the industry, holding multiple roles across reassurance, banking, and um, independent financial advice, too. So she's seen many changes that have happened in the industry uh, over the years that she's been working with us, and Hopefully, we'll have a really good natter today about all things financial planning and women in financial advice. Giselle, welcome. It's lovely to see you. And you too, Tess. Thanks for having me. Good, good. How are you today? You well? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. A little bit nervous. This is my first podcast. First but, uh, there we go. It's a moment of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, to start us off then, um, tell me a little bit about uh, where your career started. Oh, gosh. It started many years ago in my grandma's kitchen. Ah. Um, basically it was the man from Britannic came and at that point in time I just finished an engineering apprenticeship with British Nuclear Fuels um, but that was an industry in a, a state of massive contraction at that point in time so rather than being a job for every apprentice it was a job for selected apprentices that were the best at the role quite rightly so um, and I got my deeds of apprenticeship I am a qualified engineer but um I wasn't passionate about it like some of the, the boys were. I tried to stay in the industry, but it's, it's just there weren't that many jobs around. Mm. And for a 20, coming up 21-year-old woman, if you think financial services was hard, engineering was was particularly difficult. Yeah. And coupled with that, I couldn't drive. So um, I had to have a look around. And I'd unsuccessfully tried to get a couple of jobs that were sort of admin-based or traditionally girly jobs you know yeah and I'd had no success with those either because I couldn't type and I didn't have any office skills and the man from Britannic said why don't you come and work with us will you know you'd, you'd be good at it Giselle you'd be really good at it and I sort of sat back and went well oh, I don't like maths but uh, in the end he taught me into having you know applying and uh, I was refused an interview because I was too young actually at the time they wrote to me and said I was too young so I wrote them quite a snotty letter back and how old were you then when you were two 20. years? 20. Okay. I was 20. Just before my 21st birthday, I, uh, I had my first interview. And then uh, just after my 21st, I was offered the job. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, but um, it just shows you've got to persevere. If you want something, you have to you have to make it clear that you really want it. Yeah. And, and what kind of what happened? From, so you're into financial services then, working work for Britannic. Um, yeah. And then what sort of took you then along that journey into financial planning? And, and why did you kind of choose to go in that direction? Well, the job was um, the job came with training. I was really fortunate to enter the industry just as skills testing um, and knowledge testing became a thing mm. so um, when I entered a lot of a lot of long-standing advisors were leaving the industry because FPCs had been introduced so the first hurdle to get over really 
was to meet the requirements of passing your, your financial planning certificate, the full financial planning certificate. I remember that. I remember I was working for a financial advice firm at the time. I was, I was, I was an administrator for a couple of, couple of um, financial advisors and FPC came in and they were like almost incensed because they'd been doing it for so long. Suddenly <laughs> we had to get all these qualifications. So I remember that well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've only ever known it where you have to be qualified yeah. to be able to go out and speak to people. And then in addition to that is building on the skills but coming into it, coming into it as a role, I mean, the skills that you need weren't a thing to me. You're just going out and talking to people and they ask you a question and you give an honest answer. It's just a two-way exchange. But it was it's surprising to me even still, you know, how, how some individuals have got all the knowledge, but there's no resilience to have these conversations, these good, robust conversations and to be equipped to say no to clients or to disagree with them, you know, and... And that's sometimes what they're looking for. But um, yeah, so I had a couple of years with Britannic um, and then I bought my first house when I was 23. I was headhunted by the company who sold me my house. I went to work in a state agency for a very short period of time. Not quite the world I thought it was going to be. Um, and then I went back to um, the estate agency head office and worked with a project team and we set up a telephone-based advice service. Oh, wow. In the 90s. So, yeah, um, and it, it just wasn't heard of then. So no, we were, that was really not heard of at all because it was all face-to-face then, wasn't it? Everything. It was, yeah. And this was it was a national book, a closed book, of um, clients who'd been missold endowment promises. And we were helping them to repurpose the endowment policy if it was appropriate for the needs. But we basically were advising on the protection that they were losing. Mm. And we did it all over the telephone. We sent everything out in the post. They had to fill in all the paperwork and post it back to us in their own time. They never met us, not once, you know, and we were we were up and up. up upselling but it's not selling is it we were advising on needs that they hadn't addressed previously so not just the fact that you're losing your life cover Mm. right after a repayment mortgage let's talk about your income protection needs have you got critical illness cover in place do you have a family so we were giving full holistic protection planning advice with some investment purpose as well for the endowment plans um, in a telephone-based service, and it was great fun. I really nice in a, in a time that that didn't really exist, did it? And we we yeah. have got play, phrases like hybrid working, or we weren't doing video conferencing. It was all on the telephone, which is more challenging, I guess, to build up rapport with people when you can't see them. You know, that, yeah. that thing about video is you do get that rapport because you can see people's expressions and how they're interacting with you. Yeah, well, I mean, they talk a lot in the industry about listening skills. When you talk about skill sets, mm. listening skills, but you, you can't not listen on a telephone. It stood me in good stead, I have to say. That's really um, interesting. Really Yeah. Interesting. Then I, I, I decided that I fancied a change, a new challenge, and I thought, where will I go? And I went into banking. I applied for a job in banking, got a job in banking, went as a full financial advisor again, so the full suite of pensions, will mm. writing, um, you know, whole life cover, investments, everything. And then IDR hit just as I'd had my first daughter. So um, I had bigger fish to fry really at that time yeah. than finishing my diploma. So I ended up side switching, switching across into mortgages and I spent too many years there. And then to get back to where I am now, I had to step away from a face-to-face client-facing advisory role 
and go back into I went to a trainee power plan and I took a huge pay cut, finished my diploma. Um, it took me nine months to do the last three exams. Yeah. And then as soon as I had that, I was back to where I wanted to be, which was client facing, giving full holistic financial planning advice, not with one arm tied behind my back because there are issues I can't help you with or give you pointers for. Um, and it just felt like coming home, really. It was great. You made, you made some big sacrifices to get back into what you really loved. And, and I know you're really passionate about it from speaking to you before. So, yeah. so what is it that really drives you in, in the role that you're doing and in, and in financial planning and financial advice? What is it that makes you get up in the morning and really The people, you? the clients. Yeah. It's, it's as simple as that. I mean, it's not... Um, people think what we do is all about money, but it's never actually about the pound. No, not ever, ever. You know, you meet people and you talk to them and what's driving them to come to you, what's worrying them and has ultimately brought them to sit with you or speak to you. Mm. It's never the money. It's it's the thing behind the money. It could be family. It could be retirement. It could be an experience they've just been through. A, an absolute change in their circumstances that would be on their control. A death. You know, and even people that suddenly have hundreds of thousands of pounds, you know, People that were outside of the industry might think, oh, nice, you know, there are nicer problems to have. Yeah. But actually, it's still a problem. It's still causing these people to lose sleep and worry about what to do. Are they doing the right thing? Are they doing the wrong thing? Are they going to, you know, they feel like they need permission to spend it sometimes. You've mm-hmm. got to have, you know, some really good, robust conversations with people. And I think for me, the driver is getting to the point where you, you, you have that trusted advisor status. You know, people bandy that about, but you have clients who will tell you everything. You know, they're ringing you up when their daughters have their first grandchild and things like that. You know, they're, they're ringing you before they decide to retire to chat it through with you, to tell you that they're thinking about retiring. That's what they're buying is, is peace of mind, really. And that's where that that you know those conversations are the most valuable part of the advice process because you're right it ultimately isn't about the money is it it's about Never. what's going to be happening in their life moving forward and how they're going to manage that and plan for that and enjoy that or overcome that or do whatever it is that they might need to do yeah and, and it, I guess you love the clients and I was going to ask you what a sort of typical day looks like for you but I'm guessing there isn't a typical day right because anything could come at, at any time depending absolutely on clients yeah yeah so yeah I mean you obviously you you have a workload and you're prioritizing what you need to do each day but there's an element of reactiveness in every week Mm. absolutely you know there's a change for people um or there's new people coming in new inquiries and you've you've had to you've seen a lot of changes in the industry you saw RDR you've seen the regulator changing you've seen Mm -hmm. You know, all sorts of new stuff, generally regulation driven coming in that puts challenges, the requirement for better qualifications, the requirement for, you know, moving across to fee based services, all of that you kind of experience. What, what do you think has been the most challenging thing that you've had to adapt to? And I guess alongside that, what's been the most exciting thing that you've seen? Um, most challenging, gosh. I think the most challenging thing for me in the industry has always been the attitudes towards women in financial planning. Um, It is getting better, but it should have been better a long time ago and a lot quicker. Um, And and not anything in particular. It's just we we don't factor in. Mm. You know, we're not a presence. We're not a presence. When I started in the industry 25 years ago, it was in no way 
or shape unusual for me to go to a conference or a training meeting or, or some sort of presentation session and be the only female in the room. You know, it was just par for the course, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, thankfully, I'm not easily intimidated. And I think that's how I've managed to stay where I am. Um, but I think there are plenty of women that have come into the industry and left because it's just been too much to bear. Um, and even now, you know, very recently, I've attended a conference and there were probably about 250 delegates. I'd say about 30, 30 of them were women. 30 yeah. people, And some of them were presenters. Some of those women were people running the conference. Um, and instead of thinking, oh, wow, there's only 30, we're kind of thinking, oh, great, there's 30 women and we're all getting to talk to one another. And what I found really annoying was the fact that these women like yourself, you know, competent, capable, accomplished women doing great things in the industry, we were all sort of nudging each other and saying, oh, it's great to see another woman here, another nice lady. You should it, because we've had this conversation, we were talking and saying there is no reason on this earth why financial advice is a male dominated profession no absolutely not skills empathy you know things that actually women sometimes can be better at than than men you know we've got that empathy and that emotional connection with people that you know perhaps more so than sorry to the men listening out there i don't know yeah sorry (laughs) you're all wonderful um (laughs) there isn't a reason for it it's just what's traditionally happened and and you're right, I think it is changing. That's great. We do see more women in the room, but we're still, as, as you say, we're still a small percentage. Um, we are. And do you see, what do you think? Because I know your view is there's nothing really that needs to happen to change this. Just, it just needs to be so, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think traditionally marketing has always targeted men. Yeah. You know, men is the breadwinner, men is the major earner, but that hasn't really been the case since the 60s. You know, and you've got women now that are managing directors and chief executive officers. Women are innovators. They're disruptors. They're coming in, doing all sorts of different things within the industry. And you just need to target people, just treat women as people. We are earners. We're breadwinners. We're making major decisions. We've got families. We've got the same drivers as male clients and male employees. Yeah. And we should just be treated as such. And I think it's just one of those things that just takes a bit of time, doesn't it? We're seeing we're seeing it change. Um, I think there's a will in the industry and and in in the profession to to bring more women in to yeah. accelerate more women's careers. I think that I think there's definitely across every, all of us, we all want that to happen. So I don't think there's perhaps as many barriers as there were, but it just it's just taking time to change that and maybe younger women to come into the profession are not you know they're not quite yet seeing it as that career that you know think about it as such so we just need to like you you said to me the other day you really want to start telling some positive stories about about this industry and what happened you know how you know what it it is a force for good ultimately when we get it right isn't it it is absolutely it's life-changing it's absolutely life-changing the impact that we can have on our clients lives and the capability for them to go and live their best life with with you know, minimal worry, it's huge. It's a massive responsibility, but it's a positive one. You know, we are a force for good. Yeah. Yes, you know, we get, but there's this thing about fees and fee paying. You know, if we could do it for free, some of us would, but why should we? You know, we work long, hard, we train a lot, we keep our knowledge levels up and we're providing a service. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's an invaluable service. You talked about the increasing regulations and the increasing need to upskill. 
And I think it's an absolute must. I mean, I'm not chartered at the moment. My journey's taken me longer than in an ideal world I would have liked it to do, but I'm studying towards chartered. And I think it's going to become essential because to have the conversations and to know the technicalities underneath that, you're going to need that knowledge. You're going to need to be at that level. But there's more we probably need to do to make the outside world recognise that, right? And recognise how, you know, what chartered status means and how important it is. And, yes. you know, and also recognise this industry so that people w- won't question a financial advisor is too expensive because they wouldn't question a solicitor. You know, or a dentist. Or a dentist or, you know, that are providing a service because it's kind of understood. And I guess the industry's had some scandals, hasn't it, in the past and mis-selling and, and, that, and maybe that's... It has. But I think, I think that's definitely changing. And I think the more people understand what financial planning and financial is and what it... I guess ultimately, like you say, that it can change your life. Yeah. Suddenly you know people coming in are are appreciating the value of what's happening absolutely and I think I think we do need to start singing about the good news stories and the difference that we're making um I know obviously businesses do it with client referrals and testimonials but we need to to sing about it in in industry publications you know not not just the the negatives and the bad news that's coming through we need to think about success stories and it's singular cases that have made a huge impact. Yeah. Um, you know, and really herald just how life-changing it is. And you're right. And I think we see, you see a lot of, I guess with a lot of press, you see a lot of the negative stories because they're the ones that are, you know, headline worthy, aren't they? Um, and it is nice, you know, when you see, if you're, if you're reading Citywide and you see the cover stars, yeah. you know, and you see the profiles of advisors, what they do and how they work with their clients, that's, you know, we need to see more of that good stuff, don't we? So that, you know, we can really promote the industry, both within, within the industry and also outside. So we, you know, from a client's perspective, but I guess also from new blood coming into the industry, which is really important, isn't it? So that there's yeah. a session of financial advisors and planners coming up through the ranks that are going to be, you know, the, the, the planners of the future. Yeah, this is, um, gosh, all those years ago when I sat in the panel interview at Botanic Assurance, one of the things that really resonated with me at that time, because I didn't know what financial insurance was, you know, the the chap who we knew had just said it would be a good career and I'd be good at it and I'd just pursued that path. But to sit down and hear about pensions and how you take that money, you invest it, you look, look for the best home for it, you get them more than they would do if they just took no action... And I, I just, I just thought, why wouldn't somebody want to do that? Why wouldn't they want to take advice? Mm. You know, why wouldn't they pursue somebody looking at the best course of action for them and researching it and proving the research and then coming back to them with a, a set of recommendations, you know, doing all that work on their behalf. Um, that was one of the questions at my interview. I'll never forget it. Yeah. So the, the chap who ultimately employed me said to me, you know, you're 20, nearly 21. You're going to somebody's house who's 60, has worked hard his whole life for his money, manual job, and you're going to tell him what to do with his money. Why would he listen to you? You know, and that was one of the barricades, one of the blockers yeah. to hiring me. And I just said, well, I've spent an hour and a half of my life listening to you tell me all about your firm, how good you are, the investment decisions you make, everything that you consider and how you're going to take the money for that client and make it better, triple it, make it last longer, make it change to changes within his life as he enjoys the rest of his life. Why wouldn't he want to listen to me? Mm. 
So, and it's, um, that, it's that perception, isn't it, that, that needed to shift? And I think it has now. I think, you know, age is maybe less of an issue when you're when you're working with clients. But certainly for some, it yeah. still is. There's probably a little bit of that to, to get over. But, you know, you wouldn't stand in front of a doctor that was 20 years younger than you and, and question what they're telling you, would you? Because they've got the expertise, they've had the training, they've been, you know, they've done all that years of learning just the same as planners have. That's it. It's the assumption that they're qualified. Yeah. And the the misconception about our qualifications or the misunderstanding about just how skilled advisors are now. We need um, to talk about it, Giselle. We need to, you know. We do, we do. And I think the industry, I think we just need to employ more women that will go out and connect with more women. You know, there are firms out there um, that are launching side businesses, targeting women or, you know, doing a, a streaming off to just specifically target women. And I don't know how I feel about that, really. I don't know if that means I'm being singled out for targeting. Why am I not part of the normal demographic? Yeah. I just want to go to a firm where I can speak to somebody relatable and qualified and feel like they've got my best interest at heart. Yeah. And if that's a chap, great. And if it's a woman, I prefer the woman, then great. So be it. That's personal, isn't it? And who you feel, that's ultimately who you feel comfortable with. It shouldn't matter, should it? Yeah, no. It's who you feel comfortable with. And yeah. and I guess what what would your advice be then um, for young people looking to come into this profession today? What what would what would you know Giselle say today that 21-year-old Giselle might not have realized when she was coming into the profession? Oh I don't know. I mean I I love my job. <laughs> there are bits that I don't like, you know, compliance is is something you have to do and admin can be time consuming but they're all essential parts of your role but if you like if you like people if you like helping um then definitely it's the job for you you know it's not it's not just about maths it's not just about admin there's loads of facets to this role and I've stayed in a you know a client facing role an advisor facing role but there's loads of of avenues that will open up you know, if you come into the financial services industry, you could branch out into lots of different specialities yeah. and you could travel the world on the back of it. And it's out, you know, it's to some extent it's our country's biggest industry, isn't it? There's huge opportunity in there. You know, I never thought doing classics and archaeology at uni, I'd end up in financial services. And actually I went, you know, I went into an advice firm and then ended up in technology. There are so many routes that people can go through it. Yeah. Um, actuarial stuff compliance advice you know there's there's so much isn't there in there and and that means yeah. there's something for everybody whoever whatever your skills are there's something for everybody right definitely absolutely you know if you don't want to go out there and speak to people face to face then support in the background is an essential well you know research power planning um, investment management you know at, at the a conference I referenced earlier I met a fantastic lady who was running a Vietnamese investment fund you know she was so interesting wow it was great and it's 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 a conversation that I might not have had yeah. if she was a chap running that fund yeah I'll be honest and as a planner I guess the lovely thing is you're kind of you hear everybody's life stories, don't you? And then you're kind of there with them in those moments that matter all the way through, you know, the, the different life events that, that happen to them. And that must be quite fascinating sometimes. And I guess quite emotional sometimes as well. Yeah. What you can, you know, help them through. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the most rewarding um, relationships are, are when you plan in advance. You know, you meet the people that have um, 
they've got some pensions to look after, they've got years to retirement and they start to take control of their own financial destiny and you're helping them to do that, empowering them to do that. And ultimately the outcomes that they have and the retirement life that they have is better than it would have been. And you see that and then you get the flip side where they're coming to you they want to retire now they've never reviewed their retirement planning they haven't saved they haven't done anything and it's really difficult it's really difficult and you having to temper their expectations and deliver the news that they might not quite have the lifestyle they were hoping for or achieve everything they want to do um so planning in advance we all know everybody in this in the industry we know what a difference it makes and that's something that we should be um advertising better yeah, you know, the difference that it really does make. Yeah, from right at the beginning of people's like working lives, they, you know, you know, a lot of people still today, younger people don't realise that if they started small, then they're going to have a huge impact later on in life, aren't they? Yeah, I think absolutely. Auto enrolment obviously helped that because you know it's for, not forcing people, but people are naturally going to kind of you know run along with that because they have to opt out rather than opt into something, and that's worked really well, hasn't it? That's made a huge difference to. It has. It's, it's not enough. It's not. No. It's, it's a starting point. Yeah. But uh, I think in the future, things like um, you know the app from Money Info, they're the things that are going to make the biggest difference because they're delivering the information to the client's fingertips in a usable format. And I think that's part of this, you know, innovation disruption coming through. It's going to be led by technology. It's going to be. It's going to make. It is, but it's it's going to make. By the way, everybody. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, but but it's right. I mean, for us, that is. It's a way of connecting with not just clients now, but the clients of the future, and bringing that generation along as well, so that when yeah. it passes on, they they've got that connection with their advisor via their. so yeah we we of course we do we totally believe that technology is going to play a big part and has I guess has played a massive part across the industry not just for that in the last few years you know we've seen a huge seismic shift haven't we because we all had to start working in different ways so yeah um, I think that's done a lot for financial planning and advisors in terms of you know attitudes to technology because they've seen how quickly they could adapt bring in new technology and it wasn't incredibly painful perhaps and actually there are some simple things just using zoom or teams that happened overnight yeah really easy to do so i think it, it more of it you know but it's changed i think it's changed attitudes to technology over the last couple of years definitely oh yeah definitely i think it's made huge inroads into efficiencies and accessibility you know your advisor's never been more accessible to to, to you as a client yeah it's great so look we're heading towards the end of our, our time today so I've got one I mean it's quite a big question to finish on I guess but what's the most important lesson you'd say you would say that you've learned in your career so far what's the kind of one thing that you've learned oh, um that is a biggie test I know <laughs> <laughs> that's like existentialism um I would say the biggest thing I've learned is to believe in yourself mm. You know, I've, I've, for years, I won't lie, I had this belief, you know, you go out to these places and you see the pinstripe suit, red tie, you know, good car, and you think, gosh, they must know more than me or be so much better than me because if they didn't, I'd be where they are. And that's just not the case. That's yeah. been the biggest challenge. That's how, that's how being a female in financial services, that's how I've been impacted. Yeah. Sort of, you know, um, I haven't had the same pay as my peers and I've known that for a fact. You know, and you would you shudder to think how very recently there's been a 20% disparity, male to female, 
salary for the same role. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, having a family, you know, that the, it set me back because I took my, my focus wasn't on, on being here. My focus was on having my girls. So, but um, that did so much for you, you know, for your life, your own life experiences and for your ability to connect more with people after that because it you did. their experiences, right? So yeah, it's a real positive thing to to bring that into your experience moving forward, I guess. Oh yeah. I think um my 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 success at being able to connect with people and um making people feel at ease really in a short space of time is the fact that I'm happy to share. Yeah. You know, I'm a human being. They're a human being. And uh, it's all about them. The meeting is about them. But where I can relate to something that they're saying, I'm happy to say, oh, yeah, I understand that. And, you know, or if I don't, then... It is that empathy and that conversation and that emotional connection. And that's something that, you know, technology is never going to replace that part. Um, no, never. You know, what we do is we support that, you know, with the admin and the automation and all the stuff that computers are good at doing, you know, repetitive stuff time and time again without getting fed up. You know, yeah. all that stuff computers can help with. But um, it's so important to have that ability to connect with people, isn't it? And that empathy. And that's what gives us comfort and makes us, you know, gives us that peace of mind that, you know, who we're yeah. with, who we're, you know, speaking with is going to be the person that's going to get us to where we want to be. So that's so, it. Then- that's you yeah that's it in a nutshell you've got to you've got to communicate that you've got their best interests at heart mm. you know in, in every in every bit of the job that you're doing you've got you've got the client's best interests at heart and that really does focus you as well you can have a really rough day or have something else going on and you sit down in front of somebody and think right it's not their problem it's not their issue it's not their fault and it just you, you manage to channel it all out and focus purely on the meeting and it you end up coming out of it thinking, oh, I don't feel as bad as I did now. It's almost like, um, well, it's like a counselling session for you as well then sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, you come out thinking, oh, they were lovely. And you've taken yourself out of the, out of your mind fog. It's brilliant. Well, I can, I can tell you're so passionate and you love what you do and it's brilliant. And I hope when we get this out, we, um, we attract some young people that are coming into the industry and they listen to you talk because I think it will be really, you know, really inspiring for people to see what really drives you and what ultimately how they can get satisfaction out of the work that they do and what it means for them and for the people that they're helping. So thank you very much, Sal. It's been a total delight to talk to you as always today. I hope you've enjoyed your very first podcast. You did very well. <laughs> very well i don't know the proof is in the pudding <laughs> i'm hoping people aren't bored to tears sure they won't be but look um we will no doubt catch up again soon thank you so much um it's been brilliant to talk to you today so i really appreciate it it's been my pleasure thank you for asking me tess the advisor tech unplugged podcast was brought to you by the team at money info for more information please visit www.moneyinfo.com Book a discovery call with us to learn how we can help you to deliver a better client experience with your own branded client portal and apps from Apple and Android.